The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 194. It's no surprise that Minnesota, with 15.3% of people owning a boat, has the highest per capita boat ownership of any state. But what's surprising is that Hawaii, at 1%, has the least boats per capita. What? Isn't there enough water around there? Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a man who is passionate about wine, boats, travel, and who is all in on the sharing economy, Brian Petro of Get My Boat and Cork Sharing. Brian, thanks so much for joining us today, and welcome. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited. Yeah, and I, I guess the biggest question, and I know the answer already because I'm video Skyping with you, is are you currently on a boat or a winery? I don't know. Maybe you're on some boat that looks like a regular apartment, or maybe you're somehow doing both. I don't know. Where are you coming to today? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I'm at neither. You know, I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to be on either or, you know, a boat or at a winery. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm uh, remote today, uh, remote from my kitchen in my apartment. I don't think you have it. I don't see any wine there for you. It is 11 a.m. for Brian right now. I could. There's the wine fridge right there There's for the you. Wine we're fridge. on video chat. No All one else right. will see it. <laughs> <laughs> there is the wine fridge. You are ready as soon as noon hits. There you go. And you've got two companies here, which is going to be an awesome podcast because you do two really cool things. And they both revolve around things that you love and also both revolve around travel. So before we get into the companies and everything that you guys do over there at Get My Boat and at Quirkshire, I want to dive a little bit into into your personal story and what it was about travel that, that you really made it like a lifestyle because both these businesses revolve around people who are traveling and want experiences and things like that. So can you give us a little bit of background about why travel is important to you and you know if it was something you always did growing up or you're new to it? Growing up, I guess I was fortunate enough to have traveled quite a bit throughout the U.S. Um, I was on a, actually a fairly competitive traveling soccer team ever since I can remember when I moved out here to California from New York. And uh, we were fortunate enough, you know, my parents it's dealt with me going all over the U.S. from, you know, traveling California, uh, where I grew up and spent most of my time, to, you know, the uh, East Coast, to the Midwest, anywhere you can think of traveling to play soccer. So, uh, you know, it was kind of ingrained in me that, you know, this is kind of the norm. <laughs> Once I got into uh, college, I actually stopped playing and, you know, the travel somewhat stopped. <laughs> it was non-existent. Other than me actually doing kind of a college tour, I was uh, not set on where I wanted to go. So I ended up starting my career at San Jose State. And then I thought it'd be great to be by the beach. So I went down to San Luis Obispo and uh, it, Cal Poly at the time was heavily impacted there, so I wasn't able to to get my way in. I was doing the JC to the the college that way, and I ended up at uh, 
California State Chico. And, you know, there was, that was the only travel I had in college. And you kind of get this itch, right? Once you've kind of done it, even if it was just going from soccer field to soccer field, you know, you, you're used to being on planes and driving long distances and, uh, you know, having all the fun that comes with it and seeing all the sights. So in college, I found uh, this is this will be great for any of the college students out there. I found a program in localization. For those that don't know what that is, that's you know taking a, a website and translating it, but not only translating it, localizing it for the different regions of the world. And so I got into this program because I was really interested in international business in in school. And uh, really dove into it and worked with the professor very closely at uh, CSU Chico and uh, wrote a few papers, did some research and was able to travel that way in college. I was flown out to Hawaii for a conference out there and then flew out to Montreal for a week to, to give my findings on some reports that I did. After that, I kind of knew that whatever I do, it has to be something that I, I want to be in. And my career path has kind of shown that. I went into localization straight from college, did sales, project management. But one of my other passions is has to do with building. I love building, you know, no matter what it is, whether it's a website, software, cooking a great meal. Uh, I love building stuff. So it kind of went hand in hand with what I like, you know. So I went into products, startups. I had an entrepreneurial spirit. And then from there... You know, you, you sprinkle in a little bit of, uh, you know, travel and wine and boats, and, and it got me to where I am now. So how did that come about then? Because it's, it's pretty interesting to hear you say, all right, you know, with the localization thing, something that a lot of people, you know, you see it every day when you go onto like American Airlines website, and they're like, do you want to see this in German or, in, you know, and you, but I didn't actually ever know it was a thing. How did then... Quirk sharing because that was the the first company you worked with at, right before Get My Boat or was that or was it verse reverse it was it was yeah the first reverse of that so it was actually Get My Boat is where I started actually it was just a, a an ad that was out for a product manager a head of product for Get My Boat they were in the early stages and I met the two founders you know I did kind of the typical interview process which actually wasn't typical it was more along, along the lines of you know a 15 minute interview i came in well prepared you know with my designs and whatnot and yeah, i think from there i knew we were going to be a great fit they knew it's going to be a great fit was and- it on a boat did they interview you on a boat cuz that would be cool <laughs> yeah you know this is one of the things with online companies you know uh, especially if you're doing it on a budget Right, we do things really. I don't want to say cheap because it's not cheap. You know that that doesn't make it sound right. It's we're very smart with our money. So no, it was actually in an office that we we share. We we co-locate with another company, a few other companies. You know, the to save on costs. But that's where their interview came in. This was right around. You know, it was a little over three years ago. It was right around when Airbnb and Uber were really starting to hit. You know, and uh, I thought, man, I I would love to get into one of these companies. Uh, I really love what they're doing. You know, I, I I think there's a lot of overproduction and, and mass production going on, and how can we stop that and and start reducing it and and living a little bit more efficiently? I found Get My Boat. And I was like, well, this is even better. You know what? <laughs> boats are a sexy industry. It's a fun activity. I was like, this is perfect. And I love boating, so that's how I got into Get My Boat. And uh, I started as the first employee, and now we're 
you know, roughly around 50 employees. That's including, you know, in-house and contractors. We have full-time contractors with us. So it's been a really wild ride from there. But, uh, you know, with that thought, I've always wanted to build my own business. I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit. And I've always been thinking of other companies that I can start. And something that I also enjoy, you know, other than uh, being on the water, is wine. Yeah, you know, a I, good it's lifestyle just, you've got <laughs> boats and wine, right? You just pick really good niches, right? Like, hey, I like wine, so why don't I do this? Yeah, well, okay. So here's the funny thing, you know, they are really great niches to be at. And I kind of joke about it and laugh, but uh, you know, I don't own a boat. <laughs> I never have. Uh, to be honest, with the way they get my boats going, I don't think I'll ever need to. I think the millennials are pushing this kind of thought of access versus ownership. Right. So, uh, and I kind of, I think I put myself in this category. I would love to just have access to something rather than own it. You know, why? I don't want to own a boat and store it and, and keep it out of the slips when, guess what? I, I don't know where I'm going to be, you know, the next month. So I can have a boat anywhere this way. So uh, I launched Get My Boat or helped launch it, you know, with the founders. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I always have these ideas. And I said, man, I would need to get into something, but it's only going to make sense if I like it. And if I'm really passionate about it, you know, and it's worked so far and I continue to, you know, uh, strive, I get my boat. And so that's great. I said, okay, there's got to be something, but I want to put my name on it. I'm going out wine tasting all the time, but it doesn't kind of click, right? You kind of have to have an aha moment. And my aha moment was my dad invited me to go wine tasting because his wife dropped out of uh, a private wine tasting that he, his coworker got at an auction. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, what winery are we going to? You know, this is great. You know, is it going to be in Santa Cruz Mountains? Where is it? He said, yeah, it's somewhere around there. He didn't really tell me anything. It was actually at just uh, somebody's house, a private collector. They had a few thousand bottles built into the cellar in the, uh, the mountains in Los Gatos. I said, wow, okay. You know, I can get into this. You yeah, know? that's pretty cool. Like, that's not an experience that everyone can have because no one's going to know about it, right? It just happenstance that you got invited from your dad who want, you know, it's a long chain of events for you to have gotten there. It was, and it almost didn't pan out because I had some plans that day. And once he told me actually what was going on, I said, okay, you know what? I think I can uh, shuffle some things around. Right, it's worth ditching your friends for, right? <laughs> it, it definitely was, you know. So what happened was, uh, you know, I go out, we, we go out with another couple, and it's four of us, and we meet another couple there. And the host, you know, shows us the, uh, her cellar. And, and the wines she's collected over the years all over the world. She brings in a sommelier, and he starts going through all of the wines and everything, all the intricacies about w- what she had opened and what she was pouring. And it wasn't the typical experience, right, that you'd get at a winery. You might get this at some other wineries if you're there with the winemaker or if, you know, you, you are uh, in a private session that has been scheduled out. But it was so unique. And on the way back, uh, or actually, the sommelier was saying that, man, I have even more wine than you. I should be hosting some of these. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, okay, that's two people. Uh, okay, right. a, I know other people like this, right? So I'm thinking to myself, I had a really great time here. You know, I think that um, people should be able to experience this. And we were, I mean, they were pouring. I wish I wrote down uh, the wines. They were pouring some really nice wines from Australia and. And then they went through the price of them. I was like, whoo, you know, even I'm paying to, you know, start a company. I don't think I can afford this, right? 
And uh, so I said, well, what if you could have access to some of these wines where you'd never, uh, you know, in a million years have access to if you didn't have the money? So why can't I open up something that's like, you know, uh, it's rather cliche now, an Airbnb for wine tasting? And I got to thinking about it and I started, you know, first thing I do is I start designing out uh, my idea and the site and I, I get through it and start talking to wineries as I go out more and more and just to see if they know people that might be interested in hosting. And a few people start saying, well, why can't I use it? <laughs> why can't our winery use it? I was like, well, aha, there we go. That sounds like something that's better. You know, you always talk about the low-hanging fruit in a business. Well, wineries already have an established business, and what do they want? They want more guests. They want more people buying their wine. And how can you do that? Well, once if you have a platform that will drive people in. So that's where I got the idea. I originally wanted to open it up to the world of wine lovers and it's still open so that they could do this. You know, you have your collection. You want to open up a really nice bottle of wine. And let's just say that uh, you're not going to drink it all yourself. Invite some people over. You can make, recoup the cost, share, tell the story about how you acquired it, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, but really what we are doing now is we're really focused 100% on, on wineries and their experience, getting them signed up. It's pretty amazing how stuff a comes about with, you know, if you just in your head, you didn't even go to this wine tasting thinking, oh, this is going to turn into anything. But because you had that mindset and because you're around with Get My Boat and you just, you knew that you enjoyed that type of thing, that shared economy type of thing. And so everyone always asks me like, well, Trav, you know, it's cool what you do and I want to be an entrepreneur, but where do I come up with ideas? And that's obviously a huge hurdle in the beginning. And I always tell people like, it's not really coming up with an idea. It's just having your mind open to an idea. Like listen to what people are saying and there's no real way to do it other than just to try to train yourself. Like just try to think, okay, is there an idea here? And 99% of the time, it you know, maybe there's an idea and it ends up being crap or you just don't act on it or whatever, but you don't really need to do it all the time. You just need that one idea to then take it and run with it. Yeah, and you're, you, you really speak on a great point about being open to the ideas, right? So it, there's a few things that go along with that. Um, so being open to it, this something. This wasn't trust me, my first idea. <laughs> you know, right. that, that popped up. I had it was like your other. fifth idea that day, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, what I try to do is always have a notebook with me. Um, you know, now it's right. Of course, you have your phone. You know, take my notes down there. I had a, it's really funny. You know, I had a, a Google Doc also with. Oh, here are my ideas. And I'd write them out and, you know, a sentence or two about what it is. And if it didn't really sit well with me, you know, the next week I read it, then yeah, I scratch it, move on to the next one. So you, you do have to be open to that because it's not when you say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think of my business. And I'm going to think of this idea right now that it's going to come to you. It's going to be at that point where maybe you're driving home from a long day at work and you're listening to some music you like and then you're spacing out and all of a sudden you're like, whoa. This is something cool, you know, what I, you wrote down or jot down earlier, and you start, you know, formalizing it in your head. And that's, you know, the part of being open to it. And that's kind of how, you know, it hit me was, you know, seeing this. It, yeah, I kind of got the idea. I, I talked over with my dad on the way home. I was unsure of it. I was out and I started doing some wine tasting here from the wineries. And then, you know, it kind of comes together and you, you run with it from there. And I think it's really cool that not only you're open to the idea, but then the, the second part of that is then 
you know, you had the idea and it was, all right, I'm going to make it for little private parties. It's going to be people can share their bottle of wine with other people, things like that. But then you were very quickly able to, yeah, and, and maybe that would have worked, you know, in some spectrum, but quickly you were able to see, okay, there's a bigger market and you're able to change it and change directions and, and incorporate other things that in the beginning you never even thought of. And I think that's the second part of the piece of the puzzle when it comes to success is, all right, you have this idea, but you're not so beholden to this, this idea in its exact form. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Low hanging fruit. Wineries already exist. I'm not teaching anyone anything new. They exist. I'm giving them a platform to then get new people. And I think a lot of times people are so stuck on their idea that they can't even then make a tiny tweak to make it even bigger. Yeah, we call that, you know, in the startup world, we call it a pivot. Right. And, I tried uh, to stay and, away from that word, and that's yeah. why I was like dancing around <laughs> the word pivot, but that is the right word to use. It, it is, and it's really funny. I think back, is there any Silicon Valley fans, you know, HBO fans out there that are, are listening? Uh, there's a really great episode about the pivot, the pivot. And it, it wasn't necessarily, a, you know, I guess what you'd really call a, a true pivot. It was just a slight adjustment in what we were doing. Uh, but, you know, what that comes down to is you can, you have this idea, right? It doesn't matter what it is, and it can, you know, be great, sound great. You know, I start designing it. That's what I start doing. I like to to see it. I like to have something tangible. So I put it together. How's it going to look? Uh, you know, and I have to give some credit to the Get My Boat founders because uh, they have a very keen business mindset. So it's, they got this kind of ingrained in me thinking about when I was working on Get My Boat. Okay, how do the numbers line up? What's the... You know, what does industry makeup look like? Uh, how much money can you, you know, recoup off uh, the, the cost? What are the margins? So on. So then you have to run that and you start thinking, okay, how much is it going to cost me to get one person to list their seller and they're going to host how many times a year? Okay, let me do the math. That doesn't work initially. Maybe in the long run it will, right? But what does work is, you know, I ran, you run the numbers and you have all these ideas and, and it has to align. And I think where entrepreneurs fail is, when they are stuck, like you said, to their idea, they don't want to, you know, adapt to what's needed, and they kind of have in their mindset that you know this is what I'm doing, this is what's right, without listening to everything around them. If the market's telling you it's not right, you know, there's a chance it's not right. Uh, not to say that you can't change things, right? That's what we're seeing with the sharing economy, but there are very strong numbers behind why that works. <laughs> so yeah. something to account for. Yeah, and speaking of the sharing economy, I want to get into what you guys do. First, to get my boat, and then we'll talk about cork sharing. We've touched on it. I think people listening probably have an idea now. Okay, I'm listening to these guys talk about the shared economy, and if you're not sure what that means, you know, really rough terms, it's people being able to rent out their their things, you know, like like relay rides or like the big one, of course, as most people probably know or listen to this, they know I'm a huge fan of Airbnb and HomeAway and things like that. So you have an apartment or you have a car or you have a boat with Get My Boat and you want to make money off of it, you can rent it out or um, I, I won't say sell, but yeah, you rent it out and then people come and they pay you for it and they get an experience that is different from staying in a hotel if it's, you know, with Airbnb versus hotels or, you know, a rental car versus relay rides or with this, I don't even know how you would find another boat. But yeah, it's it's this idea of, and I like the word you used before, of us being more effective. Like instead of us always getting more and more and more and, or owning something and going out and buying a fifteen twenty thousand dollars boat or you know a hundred thousand dollars boat, whatever, you can have that experience. You can have it once if you're going to use it once a once a year and not have to pay all that extra stuff. So 
you know, you're calling, we're calling get my boat, the Airbnb of boat rentals. How does it exactly work? Like, is it, is it basically in lockstep with Airbnb? Then you just rent a boat and then you use it and then that's it. Similar, right? It's very similar to how Airbnb works. So people will kind of be familiar with that process. We'll kind of put the pieces together here. Uh, something that before I get into how it works is, you know, it's shocking when you actually look at the numbers, right? So a boat, and this was just updated this year, uh, a boat's actually only used around 6% of the time. That's that's <laughs> a very little amount of time, right? And how much so like 15 days a year in a, or like 20 days a year. Yeah, it's under a month. Under a month is being used, and you're paying for it to either you know be stored uh, at at a slip at a marina. You're paying for the the gas when you go out. Uh, you know, trailering expenses, maintenance, and you're hardly use, using it. So the economics here for a boat, I mean, it really makes sense, right? For the sharing economy, when you have a highly underutilized asset and a high purchase price, high maintenance price, everything is is very high that it makes sense for the person to rent it out, right? So the way that we work is it's, it is very similar to Airbnb. So you own a boat. What you can do is you can list it on our site. If you're on the marina, you actually pull out your phone. We have an app, and you can list it right there from the phone in a matter of minutes and set your price, your schedule, right? Very similar to Airbnb. And then if you're somebody looking to rent a boat, uh, you actually have a few options. So as an owner, you have a few options as well. Right, you can list it as a captain charter. So maybe you want to take everybody out yourself. Right, there's a few levels of, you know, I guess security with your boat that you, that people might go through. There's the the level where you're 100 percent okay with somebody taking it out on their own. Right, you'll probably vet them beforehand. You know, get their boating resume and so on. Maybe what you want to do is you want to show people around. Right, so you'll be the captain and you can you know just uh, hire it out and you'll be the captain with the boat and and take people around, which. Believe it or not, it's more of what the majority are looking for. You know, it's just slightly tipped in favor of the people wanting the boating experience, but not necessarily wanting to captain it. And we just announced uh, last month, actually, another product that is, we call it kind of an entry-level feature, but also it's great for the, uh, the short-term rental accommodations. We're calling it Sleep Aboard. So you can stay on a boat. You know, for your stay, uh, experience you know your your hometown in in different ways. If you don't have a boat, or you know, get that different experience when you're traveling, sleeping aboard a boat, and that's kind of a way for owners. You know, speaking on the owner's side, you know, to get comfortable. Okay, well, the boat's never going to leave the dock. I'm going to let some guests stay in it, right? And there's very little liability. Okay, then the next step is okay. Maybe I'll captain them, and that's the final step is okay. Take my boat out. I'm ready. <laughs> ready to let go. Oh, that's very cool. So then, there, so there's three ways, and that was one of the questions I had for you to, to be able to use it. And the one is just to stay on it in the dock or slip, you know, whatever in the slip. And you don't, you know, you're essentially using it as a place to stay. And and like you said, see it, see the city or the area you're in from a different angle. The second is the captain will take you out, and you guys just go out and hang out and have a good time and go on a cruise or whatnot. And then the third is for people who actually want a boat to have and to take out themselves and, and to use however they would like. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to discount some of the other things we got going on because we do leave the platform really fairly open. So it's not just necessarily, you know, recreational boating as a lot of people would think, you know, say, oh, Airbnb boats. Okay. I get it. I can put the pieces together, but there's a lot more to it, right? There's uh, the houseboating aspect. Well, there's also jet skis, you know, which necessarily aren't 
nail boats, um, but also there's fishing charters. So someone will take you out and go fishing. Um, you know, maybe it's on a lake, maybe it's on a river. Uh, there's paddle boarding, kayaks, canoes. There's these really crazy things, which I've been, I can't wait to try. Uh, eventually I will, the flyboard or the jet boards. If you've seen those, those are really neat. Oh, where you're like, you're, you're strapped in and then you shoot above the water. Like you have streams of water going yep, around. Exactly. Like it's like a jet pack. Yep. Yeah. So they have like a jet pack. Sometimes they have it like Iron Man where you have the jets, you know, in your hands and you can uh, fly around that way or it's a board, you know, kind of like a, a snowboard that has a jet pack under it. So, you know, we offer almost everything on the water. It's more of an experience. Uh, so it's not just limited to boats. Are there things for people wanting to go like longer term? Like, cause I envisioned it originally, as you mentioned, all right, you know, I want a boat for today because we're in San Fran and my family's here and all right, we're going to go out on the water. We're going to go boating. But is there stuff that if you're saying like, I want to sail from Florida down to Panama, like, would you, would you get a room on a boat? Like, is something like that possible? So we do have several options. You know, right now the most common rental activity is the one to two day rental, right? Which is very short term, but we, we have something for everybody. We we do have, let's say, uh, let me touch on the luxury side of things. We do have the 150 plus foot mega yachts, right? The uh, the boat that was featured in uh, Adam Sandberg's "I'm on a Boat" from a okay. uh, you know <laughs> yeah. Lonely Island. We have that boat in Miami listed with us, so you can do something like that where it's you know this here's the cruising schedule and uh, the itinerary, and you know hop on board here. But uh, you know something that's more along the lines, of, you know, like Florida to the BVI. You can, you know, charter a, a catamaran if you have the qualifications. You know, you meet it, then you can one, you know, hire a captain and go down with them. Or if you have the qualifications, you can take it yourself for a week long trip or, you know, whatever you need. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you really do run the gamut then with whatever anyone wants to do on the water. If it floats, we'll rent it. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. So what type of process then do people follow? Like in order to have a good experience, I know a lot of this is the same with some of the other shared economy stuff, but maybe there's some specific things you can touch on for Get My Boat with someone saying, all right, this does sound really neat. You know, Either I want to rent a boat myself and take it out or I want to have a captain. Are there things that they can do to kind of ensure that they're going to have a better experience. And we're talking here on the, on the renter side, and then we'll, we'll flip it around and talk about if someone is an owner, because there's probably some owners listening. But what can people do and like look out for to say, all right, I want to make sure I'm getting a good boat, you know, I'm getting, or I'm getting a captain that I'm going to like, things like that. There, I assume there's ways to leave reviews and stuff like that. There are. There are definitely are. We have a you know, a review platform that goes uh, for the renter and the owner. So, uh, you know, if you have rented with us before and the captain left you a review last time, you'll have that on your profile. The same for the boats as well. You know, you have a review. But really what it comes down to is making sure that you're looking for and requesting something that you truly want because you can compromise much like anything else, right? It's, it's what do you want to get out of, of your experience. Something that we noticed very early on when we launched the company was that boating had been stagnant. You know, little innovation whatsoever in the industry, and uh, they're very resistant to change, the industry as a whole. And those that had done this before, they knew that you needed, you know, three to six months lead time to rent a boat because 
one, you don't know where to look for one. So you only have some options that maybe you found online or from a hotel, concierge, whatever it may be. So you have to book them ahead of time because that one boat, you know, at that one location might fill up fast. What we're seeing now is we've reduced that lead time to a little under a week being the average, at least on our platform, uh, to renting a boat. You know, with travel in general, you know, planning, if, if it is going to be a longer trip, the more planning, uh, the better. Because then you have to understand, okay, what kind of provisions do I need? Okay, how much is it going to cost? If you've never stayed on a boat, you know, that's a whole other experience as well. Um, if it is a short term, you know, I'm going to go out for a few hours a day, you don't need that lead time. You know, you can, you can find it within a day. So really what it, it comes down to is, okay, well, what's your budget? You know, set a budget. You can uh, sort the filters based on that. Look at the type of boat you want. Um, comes down to what kind of experience, you know, do you want to go to maybe a sailing school and they'll teach you how to sail? You know, there is, you can have a dialogue with the owner or the captain beforehand and you can make sure that it's what you want, read reviews. And, uh, but ultimately it's just, you know, kind of understanding and setting expectations of what you want out of your trip and then communicating that to the owner. Yeah. one of the first things that I like kind of came to my mind when I heard about get my boat and I started looking into it was this is such a brilliant idea. Like, you know, it's weird that it not, not weird that it took this long because you're right. You know, it's the shared economy as a whole is very young. I mean, we talk about Airbnb, but three years ago I talked about Airbnb on a podcast and most people would be like, what are you talking about? And now if you don't know what it is, well, you've probably been under a rock. And those of you who don't know what it is, I apologize, but check it out. It's really cool. The thing for me with boats and, and you kind of hit on it, it's even, it's even more applicable to the shared economy than apartments because of the stuff that you mentioned. Like before get my boat, if I wanted to rent a boat, what would I do? Like, I don't even know where I would have, would have started. You know, before Airbnb, if I wanted to stay somewhere, I would have got a hotel or a hostel or a guest house. But how did people find boats beforehand? Because like you said, the lead time was huge. Were you just, you know, grasping at straws and trying to find something out, walking down to the marina and like asking if someone will let you rent a boat or what? Yeah, this was a common question, you know, initially was, oh, how do you, you know, how would I find this boat? And, uh, you know, I have some experience with it and it's hotel concierge, right? And that depending on how you feel about it, right? Everybody has their own thoughts, but it could leave a bad taste in your mouth, you know, because of, of how they operate and the relationships they have. You know, maybe you don't have, uh, you know, uh, have all the options in front of you. There's a huge lack of transparency. So if you were on the, if you were using Google, right, you could maybe find a few companies. Uh, but as I mentioned, right, the boating in general has sort of been behind the curve on technology, at least on the web present side. So you the, the ones that you could find wouldn't have pricing, so you wouldn't have that transparency that we have. A lot of people say, well, I'll call the marina. Well, you know, uh, good luck, because a lot of the marina, they're very busy with the boats they have um, and, and the other tasks that they have, you know, to do at the, at the marina. So uh, directing you to the rental company there isn't necessarily a high priority, let alone if they even have any. The other thing is just showing up at the marina, right? Right, right. <laughs> And by the way, if they don't have any, if they're not taking anybody out, they're probably not there that day. So it was extremely difficult, uh, you know, to find uh, any kind of option, you know, and and to have that comparison between, oh well, look at this, I, you know, I have uh, fifty boats here, and or I think it's more like a hundred 
50 boats in San Francisco that I can choose from rather than going to Fisherman's Wharf and you know, having the guys hand out a flyer and, and going on a whim there. So you have a better, better chance of finding what you want. And also, you know, a marketplace gives you better transparency to price and competition will drive the prices lower and most likely get you a better deal. Sure. And, and in essence, then it's a win-win for everyone because you as the renter or the customer, as you said, you can pick your price. You can see if anything is available. You know what everything else is going for. So you, there is the transparency where before, if I went to a marina and asked someone, Hey, I want to rent a boat for five hours. I they could tell me five grand. They could tell me fifty bucks. I wouldn't know what. I mean, I know fifty would be a good deal, but other than <laughs> yeah. that, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. I've never done this, right? And now all of a sudden, I can look at a list and say, all right, this guy wants five grand, and this guy wants a grand. Well, okay, you know, I know what the competition is like, and I think then obviously for the boat owners, you know, it's a really easy way for them to put their stuff up. To me, it seems like a no brainer. And and I'm sure now as it has started to grow, it it's much, much easier to get people on board. But I'm interested in the beginning because something like this, and, and that's always been the hard part for people who have an idea and want to start it, is then getting people, you know, bad pun here, but on board with their project. And something like this, you need boats or people are going to, like if I came to get my boat and there was one boat on it and it wasn't where I wanted to be, I'm not going to come back again. So how were you guys able to get the ball rolling and to really get this as something that has boats, you know, all over the world. And you can speak to, to how many boats you have and things like that. But how did it get started? Because that must be the biggest obstacle to overcome in the beginning. Yeah. You know, with a, a marketplace model, uh, which are uh, any actually booking sites that you would visit for any kind of travel accommodation, they all face the same problem up front. And that is supply and demand. Uh, I may touch first. I love boating puns. I've been reluctant to actually use any, but fire uh, away, man, fire away. <laughs> all right, I might start sprinkling a few more in or a few in. Uh, I hold off from from uh, dropping them in there. But uh, okay, so you know what what we did is we initially I had this idea. Okay, well you know why don't we test the waters? Um, you know, there you go. Gotcha. Uh, why don't we test the waters here and just launch in a few locales, like maybe San Francisco, Miami, right? And you think, okay, that, that sounds reasonable. Uh, our founders are like, think, think larger. Okay, maybe a few states. We're like, no, 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 no. Think larger. Said the U.S. No, no, no. Think larger. The world, right? I was like, wow, that's really crazy. It's me and these two founders. And uh, wait, how are we going to do this? You know? So yeah, these things go through your head, right? Um, they said, you know, we're going worldwide, global from day one, which helped us from the beginning because you have to say, they said, you know, it's like a party, right? You don't want to go to a party that there's there's no one there, right? It's an empty party. You're going to have a look through the window and immediately you're going to turn around and, and leave. But if it's a full party, then you're going to, you know, walk in and, and stay and have a good time. So that's what we equate it to is you have to have that inventory. You have to have that supply that people will show up and then say, oh, I do have boats here. Uh, so we went with the idea that, you know, Airbnb for boats. Great. Well, let's say you own a boat. How do I get them on board? Right. Like how would I ever find out about it? Because first you need the inventory of the boats before you even get the people coming to the site to rent them, right? So how did you get the word out? Yeah. So we're thinking, okay, what kind of marketing tax can we do? Well, what we did is we kind of rethought it and said, well, hey, why does this have to be a peer-to-peer 
you know, play on rentals, you know, like Airbnb, which there is a dirty little secret there. There are a ton of, you know, property managers there. It's not, you know, there's a large percentage of that and the numbers are out there for that. Um, so we thought about it. Okay, well, why don't we just aggregate the rental industry and the charter industry as a whole? And, our, you know, we talk about the, the short-term wins, wins and the low-hanging fruit. Well, charter companies and rental companies exist already. Yes, it may be hard to find them, but they're going to be the ones that want to get on board, love that pun, uh, with us sooner rather than having to go on a, a you know kind of crazy marketing spree to get these boat owners, which, by the way, they're, gonna, they're also going to be a little hesitant to join because the boat, maybe it's their baby, right? So it was a simple change for us to say, let's go after these charter companies first. We had it all branded and built out as peer-to-peer boating, peer-to-peer boating. And uh, you know, shortly after I think we launched, I ripped all that off the site and said, okay, well, no, we're, we're going to be a rental platform that aggregates everything. It will have peer-to-peer boating. It's going to have rental and charter um, on there as well. And we just saw the numbers soar. So something else that really helps us is we're a free platform, 100% free. And we wanted to do that. It's on purpose uh, because we knew that there's barriers to join the site. You know, if we're not offering an ideal product yet, why should we be charging for it? And uh, we have other ways that we can make money. So this shouldn't be something that inhibits people. So we went global. We found the low-hanging fruit and went for it. And this is where a lot of people that try to get into the space are still failing, is they're not figuring out a way to get their inventory. So, you know, we're leaps and bounds ahead of anybody in terms of numbers. And we're just nearing on the 40,000 boat mark in 143 countries. So we have, uh, you know, hopefully we have something in and wherever you're looking to go, go boating. You know, our, our next goal is to, to have a boat in every you know, body of water that you can go boating across the board of the type of watercraft you want. Wow. That, and that's insane. Where did you see the growth, like in, in terms of geographically? Like, is there an area that exploded right away? Or has it been, you know, is there an area that's way more popular than others? Or have you seen it kind of grow all across the board? And also, how long did that take? Because like you said, you wanted to go worldwide. So you got these charter companies on and these things. Did you get all that on before you launched? And so it's just been slow and steady? Or was there a moment where all of a sudden, you know, you got a write up in the New York Times front page and something kicked it off or, you know, one of those moments? It, uh, it wasn't anything like that. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because you think, oh, I'm going to turn this, our website on and we're going to get you know, all these uh, visitors right away. We have our analytics set up. And it's funny, you flip the switch, oh, zero. Oh man, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> it all the, you know, then you see I'm one on. and it's like it's like your business partner sitting on the computer next to you. Like <laughs> Exactly. Uh. Oh, but that email I sent out to my friends. Oh, oh hey mom. I see you're <laughs> you know, uh no, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, but it, you know, it isn't what a lot of people I think uh realize when you launch a website that it's gonna be this crazy amount of traffic. So how we kind of seeded the the inventory side was we we worked sales before launching. I mean, we had a product and we initially did do kind of like a soft launch and said, okay, we're going to give uh, access to X amount of users and come in and give us some feedback. You know, we want to get rapid feedback on, on building out our product a little bit better. And so well, we did have initial group of kind of innovators that were on board with us. And once we did that, we kind of just hit, you know, everybody and said, okay, well, 
we got the feedback we need, we'll just launch it and we'll keep getting feedback. So we did launch with a handful of companies, more than a handful, actually a lot of companies signed up with us and their boats. You know, you can find some charter companies that have a larger fleet. So if you land one account, uh, you know, you, you get a lot of boats, a lot of inventory in one location. In terms of the locations that we got, it it actually goes kind of hand in hand on what you think uh, the top boating destinations in the world would be. Uh, California was hot for us. Florida, of course. Um, you know, the Miami, BVI, the whole Caribbean was hot. Mediterranean. And you start looking around Italy, uh, Spain, France, yeah, Turkey, Croatia, Australia, New Zealand. I mean, you go on and on and on. It's where you think these hot boating destinations are. They they picked up on it right away because it, it's an easy sell when you say, hey, you know, here's this. Guess what? What are you doing for marketing? Okay, well, we got something for you. It's free. And we're going to list you right up here, and we're going to drive traffic over your way. Sound great? It sounds great, you know? So it, it's great because it's an easy sale. It wasn't easy work, but it was an easy sale once we got a hold of somebody. So then when someone goes to get my boat, you guys, uh, is it like Airbnb where there is then a get my boat service fee? You know, what I, it, it's the price, but built into that is a get my boat service fee. So it's free for me to join up as someone who wants to rent. It's also free for a boat owner to sign up, but then, you know, when we make a connection, when I rent it, then I'm just paying, you know, that service fee to get my boat for that. This is where it gets even better. There is okay. no service fee. It's it's 100% free to use, right? We're not uh, involved with the transaction like uh, Airbnb or Uber. We we are outside of that. And we have other ways that we make our our revenue on. So we have, you know, featured listings uh, you know, advertising so much like Google, right? If you search, I, I can't think of it. maybe Austin or somewhere in Texas, I think, or Miami, we have some boats featured at the top, you know, so you kind of pay for placement. And something which I, I never thought I would say was this really cool insurance product. <laughs> and this thing is like a bane of my existence at the very beginning because for peer-to-peer, right, we, we thought, okay, well, we have to have this insurance product in place because what most people don't know is if you rent your boat out and you're current policy is void so you're kind of you know right. it was you, very same thing you wouldn't do it, it because yeah you're kind of you're you're not covered yeah so i mean this happens with uh, i think home away as well and airbnb of course had their their uh, spot in the news before they had their insurance product uh, so there's also another reason one of the many reasons why we went with a charter rental because they already had their policies in place and they were fully covered um, but it took about two years to work this product out, and we did this very specifically because we're not taking payments. You know, uh, so Airbnb takes as part of their service fee, and they include the insurance with it. So for that to happen, you have to be taking the payment, which we don't do. Uh, we wanted something, and the way that you actually write the insurance policy before getting into the you know boring specifics of it, it puts all the liability on the company and then spreads it out, you know, to everybody else. But what we wanted to do was something where we don't want to be involved in that. We just want you to purchase it much like rental car insurance. And you can say, yes, I want to buy it for the day. And I want to buy it, you know, just on my policy. And here we go. I got it, you know, as long as I meet the specs. So we worked with Falvey Yacht Insurance to build really the first of its kind product. And it was a long time coming, but, you know, we have it now. And it's really cool, um, you know, product we have that ha- allows boat owners to have their boat covered while they're renting it. You know, it also has some benefits for charter companies as well, which is I were unforeseen when we were building it out. You know, they already have their policies, but if they buy this $27 a day product, you know, knock on wood, nothing's happened. But if something did happen, 
it would stay on that $27 policy and not their you know, master uh, fleet policy and, and ding them for the next time they're looking to renew. We built that out, and that's how we're gener- generating revenue and uh, don't have to be a part of that the uh, transaction. Very, very cool. Is there stuff that people should be aware of? Because that's something that I would not have thought about, obviously, not being a boat owner, not really having much experience on boats, you know, about insurance and, oh, yeah, am I covered? And, and if I have a boat, is the boat covered? Is there other stuff that people should be aware of from a renter's side? Like anything that that maybe they should think about, like, I don't know if you guys have a guide on your site, but like, before you rent, think about boom, 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 boom. Like, you know, make sure you bring shoes that don't slip on the deck or something. That's a really dumb example, but other <laughs> stuff that people should be aware of, because I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking, like, even I'm sitting here thinking, like, I can't wait to go rent a boat. Like, I'm going to look for Croatia. I'm going to go on Yacht Week. I'm going to rent a boat, you know? So what are some things that maybe people should think ahead about? So there's a few things, uh, you know, one is that's paramount is safety. And, you know, if, if you know anybody in the boating community, that's something that they'll probably speak very heavily to as well is it can be life and death out there if you don't know what you're doing. And you want to make sure that really, if you're not experienced, that you should leave it to, you know, professional captain. And that's kind of my one piece of recommendation because you, it'll ensure that you're going to have a, a much better experience and a much better time. Than being stranded, you know, having to call for help and getting towed back in. You know, that's kind of one thing. Uh, know your know your limits. Um, also, you know, you just have that dialogue with the owner beforehand, and they'll tell you. They were most likely will ask you all the questions that will prevent you from doing something um, like that, like taking out a boat you're not capable to handle. Know if you're familiar with the water. You know, here in San Francisco, a lot of people. Oh, I've done lake limb boating. Well, the waters here are very much so different than anything like you've ever experienced. So you won't have that same experience that you think you have. So that's something the owner will have their pre-rental checklist that they'll most likely run through with you. Uh, you know, also I have to touch on the fact that there are legalities and depending on where you are in the world, uh, even depending on where you are in the U S it's different from state to state on you know, whether you have to have uh, just a boating safety card from taking a class online to having a license uh, having to watch, I think for jet ski in some states, you have to watch like a 30 minute video. You know, most of the owners usually are well versed in this, um, but making sure that you are, you know, following local regulations and, and safe will ensure everything else. Uh, other than that, sunscreen. <laughs> This wraps up part one of my interview with Brian. But if you like that, do not despair because we have a second part for you. You can find that on iTunes. You can find that on Stitcher. If you're listening on Jabbercast, which is the way that I recommend you listen to podcasts and the way that I listen to podcasts now, you can find it on there. And of course, you can get part two and all the other episodes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You can also find all the show notes there as well. And you won't want to miss part two of my interview with Brian because in part two, Brian talks about some of the awesome stories from Get My Boat, some of the best adventures and things they've seen happen in the last three years, how to use cork sharing to find good wineries. He talks about the difference between self-discovery and research and how to mesh them together. And he also gives us recommendations for his favorite places around the world and a spicy travel mishap. So check that out. Part two of my interview with Brian Petro from GetMyBoat and CorkSharing.com. 
Also, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, you can jump on our extra pack of peanuts email newsletter list, and that will get you my brand new video series talking about the best ways that I always find the cheapest flights, and you can do it in a really neat manner. So if you're listening on your phone right now or you have your phone right next to you, you can text the word PEANUTS, P-E-A-N-U-T-S, to the number 33444. You'll get a response that will ask you to put in your email address. Once you do that, you will be automatically subscribed to our email newsletter. So again, you can text PEANUT to 33444. Thank you guys for the continued support. Thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And of course, until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you how-